Welcome to the Integral Stage. Today we're happy to be joined by Frank Marrero for our sixth episode of the Fire from Heaven series. Frank was a close, longtime student of Adi Da, or Bubba Free John when he first met him, and a former instructor at my alma mater, John F. Kennedy University, and is now the curator of a YouTube channel and a website, The B-Zone, dedicated to Adi Da's teachings. Those of you familiar with Ken Wilber's work will probably know of Adi Da's influence on his early writings, and also on several other prominent members in the integral community, including Samuel Bonder and Terry Patton. Frank will share with us today a number of his experiences of transmission with Adi Da and some of his understanding of the nature of consciousness and the process of spiritual as opposed to more common forms of transmission. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Frank. <laughs> hey, hey. Good to see you. Why don't you start us off with, um, you know, a personal account of a transmission experience that means a lot to you? Oh, well, there was many little ones along the way that I didn't quite recognize. In retrospect, I went, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But, you know, when I first encountered um, Adi Da, he was then Baba Frijan. And uh, I was very suspicious, as in, from my point of view, one should be. Doubt should be the leading um, faculty where when you encounter somebody who says they're enlightened. Uh, and, uh, and I didn't understand the ecstatic claims of him, uh, the ecstasy of I am divine. I thought, well, yeah, you're really enlightened and really insightful, but ah. so I was very suspicious. For three and a half years, I read his teaching regularly. I literally was a rich young man. I sold everything I owned and went to live in his community, and I still did not get it. And I still had suspicions. And I was very encouraged that my suspicions were encouraged rather than, oh, no, just got to believe it, you know. It was, I was like, yeah, 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 keep your doubts up. I was, that, that was actually, you know, that was good. And, but nevertheless, and I had some times when, I remember one time when little, one of the little ones, I was in Western, what was called Western Face Cathedral then, and I didn't know how to meditate, really. And so I was sitting there, and I felt like uh, Bubba at the time stepped into my inner being and said, okay, I'm gonna hold your hand this time. And okay, now yield as if you're yielding to your glorious beauty, okay? Now, but now bring a discrimination in relative to just being fascinated, but rather awe, okay. And step by step by step by step until I was absolutely in sublimity. And then it took about an hour and, uh, and then he got up and left and, I walked out and I turned to the first person and I said, that was the most incredible sitting I've ever had. He, I felt like he stepped right into me and taught me step by step by step how to meditate. He, the other person said, that's exactly my experience. And then we started listening to other people around us and they were all having the exact same conversation that 350 people, he had gone, he had a personal hold your hand, let me show you how to do this experience. That was impressive. I was impressed that such a being could do that for hundreds of people at once. Very intimate, very distinct. It wasn't like, oh, we all felt energy or anything. 
and most of the time I would just, when I would sit with him, I would feel this brightness. And it was, I always, I always said, I didn't, I didn't realize that, it was, that there was a transmission going on and I was sitting there evaluating it. You know, like, I don't know about this. I didn't see my own doubting mind in its negative form. I only saw my doubting mind in its positive form, which is fine. Uh, but then uh, my evaluation of that would be that, well, it's, it's even better than that nature mysticism. It's even brighter than nature, which is my yardstick up to that point anyway. If something was better than being out in the, in the wonder and beauty of nature, wow, well, okay, that's worth paying attention to. But even still, I was still like, well, yeah, that's pretty good. Good things are going on, I know. And then he changed his name to Da. And uh, on September 16th, 1979, I'd been a student uh, for three and a half years. And uh, uh, four years. And, uh, uh, and been living in his community for a year and a half. And uh, he sat for the day of the heart. And it was, there was a transmission there. I was pretty much unaware of it, but then... Later, he was going to do an actual transmissive initiation to the esoteric order uh, of about the name Da. And it was about sunset, just after sunset. And we had carved out this uh, bowl uh, near this uh, hot spring. And I remember it distinctly, he coming over the hill. And, as he, and I'm sitting there and trying to be, you know, relaxed or groovy or whatever my bullshit idea of spirituality was. And then all of a sudden, I see, literally see, these concentric circles coming around him, shooting out from him. And I was like, whoa. And then they kept coming. And then as, the, as these waves came as if through the air, and as they hit my body, it was like, oh, like coming on to some, something good. And, uh, and uh, so I uh, went, whoa, oh. And then, but they just kept coming and each, very quickly, each wave of love joy that hit my body relaxed me more than any time in my entire life. I was just, oh, 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 oh. And then I recognized, oh, this is not bright or, you know, you're kind of getting, your intuition is heightened. I was in bathed in joyous bliss energy just again and again and just waves and waves and he came and sat and still I could just visually actually visually see these spheres of joy washing over us all and um, and I noticed that the low I noticed a coil from my heart below uncoil in this joy just slowly every way but just until as my as the whole thing uncoiled i was one joyously one with the entire manifest universe of living light joyous current and just when i thought wow there was another coil that i had never seen before that was above the heart and it started unfur for unfurling. And as it unfurled, the whole scene was bathed in this, like it was misting, but it wasn't, 
but golden, just this golden light just pouring on everything. And all these, you know, higher good shit was just in my brain was exploding and golden light was on everything. And I was like, holy mother, holy my, wow, God, what a transmissive master. And then all of that, I had been given essentially a, a, a grand tour of spiritual experiences below and above and melting. And suddenly it was dog shit compared to the, trans, the true transmission, which is at the heart. And my heart was then only. It was just heart, joyous relationship with beloved that outshines all the uppers and all the lower worlds. And then I finally went, oh, now I get it. Now I realize he is a transmission master beyond the upper worlds and beyond the utopias and the pleasures of this world. And I changed after that. I was related to him in a very different way after that. That, that because it's not that just he is God, or he is the transmission divine master, that, that's all there was, that's all there is, is he rendered me into his very state. That's so. fabulous. I mean, oh. you gotta think that whatever anybody's skepticism or opinions about these kind of situations, that anybody would recognize how amazing and profound it would be to have experiences like that. Yes. You know, to the point where it's almost, I heard somebody say this about psychedelics, that. Um, if you've never tried them, it's a bit like never having had sex. And that's kind of yeah. sad. These experiences seem like the same thing to me. And that it is sad if, if no one's ever had an experience like that. Yes. But I know you have um, some analysis of the ancient roots and analogies of this kind of thing. You know, what's oh, your yeah. sense of the uh, historical cultural background of ecstasy and brightness? Oh, great question. Thank you. Uh, well, your topic here is fire of heaven, fire from heaven, you know, and um, let's start with the muses. The muses are all women. They are the daughters of Zeus and Ninosene. Now, Zeus is, um, the ancient root of that, dyas, means brightness in Sanskrit. It's actually a word that means bright. Nirnosane is where we get the word mnemonics and memory. So if you, mer if you commit something to memory, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and uh, till it's, you've got it committed to memory, and then you marry that with brightness. Every musician, everybody who's ever played an instrument, hopefully can tell you the experience of, at some point you're playing and it's as if you're being played, as if, the, the, what, what does they say, the muse took me, I was taken by the muse. Uh, that's not, that's, no one has ever claimed, I got the muses in my back pocket. That's not how it works, why? The muses are all women, for what reason? They're to emphasize the feminine. 
to emphasize the, the role that receptivity and yielding has in the process of inspiration. This yielding and feminine aspect is, is not trumpeted, not heralded like it should be, and yet it is the uh, bridge and core of what, it, what this submission or this re reception, all, both, all feminine, to this fire of heaven. Now, even athletes can tell you who've, who've studied um, uh, their, their trait, their, their, uh, their craft, that suddenly they're in the zone. Nobody just commands the zone. It's kind of like the muses of athletics. It's a feminine thing. We, and every mature adolescent doesn't become truly mature until, in other words, it's not something you achieve. It's not something you can go get. You can't go get spiritual transmission from a master. It is, and you cannot complete your adolescence by achieving. You achieve it by yielding or receiving. Now, we can turn to the God of ecstasy. In fact, Dionysus. And Dionysus, he went through four phases and without going into all of that, he's, his adolescent phase, as it were, uh, when he went to Nysa, the forest of Nysa, there he was cared for by the muses and the, and the satyrs and the nymphs and they, they let him grow to fullness. And once you are full, once he, once the God in us is grown to fullness, it was then the uh, Zeus's mother, Rhea, which means flow, same word as Rhea stat, the flow into the, into the lights. The flow of, that gave birth to Zeus himself, the great flow, the great goddess, she came and initiated him in the secret women's mysteries is what they, they called them. It's by, again, it's this, why? It's because you, you fucking yield, you give yourself up. It's like being in love. Nobody achieves love, you fall in love. And so this, this yielding is the key component to spiritual, trans, true spiritual transmission. Now I'm using spiritual transmission in a, uh, a ref more refined, uh, what we would call spirit baptism. Everything transmits, the table, the rocks, everything, there's transmission in secret scriptures. You're, not, you're supposed to read only at a certain time. There's, script, there's transmission in kundalini yoga. There's transmission in, uh, uh, well, in, 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 a, in a master and a teacher. If you're playing guitar and you go to Segovia, there's a transmission. I'm not, that's all corollaries. But what I'm speaking about when I say transmission is what you have your, the theme of this is fire from heaven. The, the, and that spirit baptism, that is the Rhea, that is the great goddess. Um, and by that transmission, dendrite, baby, you know, adolescent Dionysus was transformed into the god of Nysa, Dionysa. And then he was the god of ecstasy. Adida points out that the, the transition from pleasure to ecstasy is, is, is by sacrifice, is by giving, by yielding. So when you yield, and we all know what that's like, you, uh, 
party on, but it doesn't become ecstasy until you start yielding. You know, you can have all the pleasures go into town, but what, what transforms pleasure into ecstasy? It is yielding, it is the feminine. So it is what brings ecstasy, it's the bridge, the, this yielding. So, and Arida has this great line, uh, what is it? Uh, the relationship between me and my devotees is not mediumistic, but synchronistic. There must be natural love, such that there's a duplication. You do not reside at the opposite end of a line of transmission. You duplicate me more and more perfectly. So it's not a transmission is not coming from an other to you and then you've got it. There's, if that happens, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the transmission I'm speaking about. Uh, spirit baptism is not something you get. It's, uh, I'm, all, I'm also reminded of two other characters, so Socrates or Socrates, who said uh, at the symposium, when Agathon, when he went into ecstasy and Agathon came beside him and says, oh, I just want to sit beside you and get, get some of that goodie. And uh, Socrates has said, ah, how I wish it worked that way. The way that you could pour wine from one vessel through wool into another vessel. So, but it doesn't, it's not like that. It's not, it's not otherness because why? It's about the heart. The real transmission, just like my first wowie zowie experience, I got the transmission of uh, all the lower worlds and all the higher worlds, but in the end, it was about the heart. That's not other. Happiness in the heart are always here, not they're going to get it. Or as John Lennon would say, uh, money can't buy you love. So it is this duplication uh, by yielding. Uh, I'm also reminded of uh, St. Teresa of Avila, her, her um, meditation, which was just to sit in relationship to her master and just feel loved. Just that, just think of the, think and feel all the ways that we don't allow ourselves to feel loved. That's profound even. The psychological necessities of, of that are immense at times. But in fact, we discover on and on, we have to learn to adapt to actually just, first of all, receive. When we receive, then there is a great, then there's, then when we can feel loved, there begins tra the transmission of the heart, which is the real transmission. So you're drawing a distinction between uh, all the other kinds of transmission, mm -hmm. some of which might be good for us and some of which might not, and this other exactly. special kind of transmission of yes. uh, love brightness. Love brightness, yes. Uh, and, and it is, uh, you know, the Hindi have a term, satchitananda. Uh, sat or uh, consciousness, bright consciousness, uh, being, not just being like I am, yes I am. I, I, I like to contrast the, what I call the Popeye uh, version of authenticity or being, which is I am what I am, you know, I am what I am, I'm part of the 
that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the authenticity or the being I'm talking about. It's a, there's a reason that um, divinity is called supreme being. So sat, chit, supreme being, bright, bright consciousness, supreme being, ananda, love, bliss. This is the, this is the nature of real reality right now, always. This is when, you, when your discrimination has done its work, you're not left with nothing but, but with Satchitananda. Reality is bright consciousness, love, bliss, being itself, supreme being. So that if this supreme is the transmission. If What's the supreme that? transmission, unlike yes. the other forms of transmission, is uh, endlessly omnipresent and available. Yes. Why is it that it seems to be located with some people? Why isn't everybody in it all the time? Why does there seem to be a proximity issue? That's a great question. Um, if reality, this very moment, is love, bliss, Ananda, being, supreme being, if this is divinity, which is easy to see if you look around and see the beauty we're in, but how come I don't feel beauteous then, right? This is the real fire from heaven, or this is the precursor to the fire of heaven. This is the fire. <laughs> uh, Adida teaches, which I, what I consider one of the greatest realistic and critical insights in the history of the world, which is uh, the ego, I, is not an entity somewhere inside the soul. It's an activity, and it's the activity of withdrawal read two different ways, either withdraw from others and from the field of relations and or slash you constrict or contract your feeling flow of your being. It's a singular action read two different ways. Um, and in fact, the Latin word for choke is anxious. So when you feel anxiety, when you feel the constricting, constricting, not that you just are contracted and you're an ass or you're uptight, but you're actually doing it. You're shutting down what is beautiful. You're shutting down the love that is given to you. That you're shutting down the gift. And as a devotee, I, sh I see how I'm withdrawing from the love that I'm being given by beloved Adida. Who is a, who is the who is utterly awake in sat? He the reason I know reality is sat Chidananda is his realization of that shows me he is like a, a window as it were. I see him and I realize oh oh my God that's everything isn't it? So and I see how I shut it down and I withdraw. That's what he calls radical self understanding as distinct from self-information, like I think, for instance, Freudian analysis is really wonderful. Some of the issues they bring up is great, but it, 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 it's more, that would be closer to what I would say self-information and self-knowledge rather than radical self-understanding. Radical, the word uh, means at the root in the same way the word radish is a root vegetable. Uh, what is the root self what are you doing at your root? At the root, 
you're doing this. Beloved says, look, if you make a fist, if you make a fist, there seems to be a center. There seems to be a middle. There seems to be a center to it. But if you open your hand, the center is revealed to be an illusion made by the tension of the withdrawing or the constricting. And when you withdraw and make a fist of I inside, behind my eyes, when I withdraw from the field of relations, I make a fist, symbolically, uh, a fist, and then that makes a tension. And in that tension, that tension wants to be relieved, except I generally don't notice that I've done this. I'm going, I feel a tension. I need more money. I need, uh, I need this and this and this. And if I only had that, then I would go, ah. But it's really just the fact that I haven't understood that I've withdrawn. This critical in the sense of realistic understanding, that's a fire. That's what Hindus call tapas. That is the fire of self-knowledge. That's the precursor to the fire of heaven. That is the fire of heaven in our ordinary lives. We see how we're shutting down. So this uh, transmission mm -hmm. is always trying to take place and we're blocking it by turning into the radish. <laughs> and if we, I like that. If I we like cease that. to be the radish, the transmission would happen automatically. It's always happening, yes. Transmission. That's right. Um, is that when people go into, I want to say ordinary, but it's extraordinary, flow states of various yeah. kinds, right? Uh, which is a great place where uh, contemporary cognitive science might splice into this kind of spiritual Absolutely. discourse. Yes. Um, is, is, do you see that as a partial release of the Absolutely. radish? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you can have a, you know how to, you, every, I hope a lot of people have had the experience where they're really uptight about something and they went, oh shit, I can't stand it. Pour me a shot bartender. And you take a couple of drinks and you go, oh, you know what? I shouldn't be mad at that person after all. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can undo. Um, and, and, and Adida calls it, yes, you must perform counteractions to this. So when you feel like you're uptight, serve, get out of yourself. Uh, and so these are uh, approaches to radical self-understanding, to what you, like you were saying about the flow states. But what it really doesn't happen at the root until you see that you're doing it. When you see that you are, the ego is not an entity, but the activity of withdrawal. When you see not that I've withdrawn, not that I'm contracted, not that I am anxious, but that I am choking now. I am withdrawing now. And when we turn, when we ask the question of avoiding relationship, the inquiry, it was Adida's original inquiry, ask yourself, avoiding relationship? That's not like I'm avoiding you or I'm avoiding the doorknob. It's omnidirectional, it's all together. And we all know what it's like to be natively happy out, out just opened out into everything. It's omnidirectional, it's not, uh, it, of course it's, it can happen with your intimate or your job or whatever, but it's also omnidirectional. So as a devotee of Arita, I learn to see how I withdraw. In the, and how do I learn that? It's in the face, literally, of being loved, of being, uh, you know, Adi Da means first give. Adi means first, Da means to give. So he's, 
he gives he gives this transmission and i see how and if i'm not if i'm not realizing divinity i ha then i in that fire of heaven is burning me up until i go oh and i turn and open and then that transmission which is omni 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 <laughs> is everything, is this present moment, presence, um, becomes my own state as well. He, he, the trend, the, it's, not a, it's not a pouring from the fuller into the lesser. It's, it's the, like tuning forks. He, he makes the original Adi Da, the first tone, and then I learn how I'm going, oh, oh, I'm doing, ah, ah, and suddenly I'm resonating in the same, divine bliss state uh, as he and there is no he and I anymore so your master um, provides this way of enabling yes. the always possible supreme transmission yes. by learning to you know thoroughly understand the intentional contraction aspect of the way we're inhibiting that transmission unconscious intentional yes yes but there must also be other supporting factors right that Absolutely. make a person you know there's a life of purification there must be precipitating factors there must be attitudes and practices so what is it that supports the ability to receive this transmission exactly well you can go all the way back to the Eightfold Way, you know, uh, Adida calls it right life. The, the point of this is to develop a sense of equanimity, to develop whole bodily equanimity. If I'm all, which means your diet's got to get straight, which means eat fresher and fresher foods that you can receive easily and eliminate easily. Uh, you're, relationships, your intimates, uh, you, there must be a, a healthy um, work done in getting over yourself. You must learn how to have humor about yourself in relationship. Um, that's, and you must handle what he calls money, which means you must learn to focus clearly, serve, and apply a will. Not it's not like I'm really focused now. I can, yeah, I'm gonna do the arrow just perfectly. No, it's a relax. That's that's at the start. People focus that way, but at the end, the mat. You see the masters. They're utterly relaxed about the way they focus. It's a clear, calm focus. So, um, Adida calls this money, food, and sex. So, when get your house in order, or as he says, first become human, and then the transmission is, becomes more and more useful the more we develop um, a sense of equanimity. Because the transmission's always happening. Sorry, I didn't mean that you had a question. No, that's all right. Um, I, uh, coming back to this again, I particularly like the way you describe the similarity between yielding and entering into a flow state. Yeah. Not only because I think that's a great place for science and spirituality to come together, yes. but because it seems like one of the holdback features, one of the reasons people don't get involved in transmission work mm -hmm. is um, kind of a status anxiety, right? That the notions oh, yeah. of submission and surrender 
are very appropriately associated with uh, other people taking advantage of you, being politically Absolutely. hired. Right? So uh, I, I like the way you're phrasing it, but what do you make of that um, resistance to transmission that's connected to uh, people's fear of submission and surrender? Well, that's, I'm really glad you said that. It reminds me of uh, our good friend, Ken Wilbers, one of his great gifts to uh, uh, thought is this what he calls the pre-trans fallacy. And uh, this, if you, from the Magna Carta up till the Declaration of Independence, there was a cultural um, assertion of not being subjugated. Subjugated, jucated means yoked. Uh, don't be yoked under somebody else. And in fact, the word subjectivity, how I'm feeling and I'm feeling all inside myself, that word, in fact, originated in the same century about how you felt being put down or being, a, being subject to the king's power. That was the origin of the word. Uh, so our, when we feel our subjectivity, so, and then what did we do? We started with the Magna Carta, which was only a baby step. We built over, over four centuries until we had the Declaration of Independence by God. Um, and uh, so that is the onset of the adolescent phase of human existence uh, as a cultural phenomena. We had not that we hadn't had no adolescence before that. Um, go back to uh, Odysseus, um, in um, uh, is kind of the signposts three thousand years ago, approximately of of the individual assertion of of. Uh, beyond mythic, beyond doing what you're told, beyond your province. Um, and he, he won the war, they won the war by, by, that, by that. So take full authenticity for yourself. Yes, grow up, say, no way am I submitting to somebody else. That's true. That is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do that. Now, when we come to the point where you start to grow out of that and yield, learn to yield, we're still uh, recall the reactions of when we were subjugated. No, I'm not going to submit to nobody. And yet when we fall in love, we don't say, Oh, I'm going to love you from over here. Nobody does that. And the other interesting thing about is the analogy of falling in love. Adolescence, is the period of science, uh, a, a separative knowing, which is self-protective. Uh, but it's, a, uh, it's rooted in the word sciences and the word, word skio, I know. And science can examine things as object. And when you do that, you make a subject. When you make the world object, all, everything's a science, you make subject. And you get caught behind your eyes as if you're looking out inside your head. And we get this maddening mentality is the dark side or the shadow side of great science. Then we make manipulation and it becomes hell. And, or we start to examine it until there's nothingness. Sartre and nihilism. It becomes, it becomes nothing because we can't get, and start with Descartes. He couldn't get out of the identity of being inside. I think, therefore I am. He's behind the eyes looking out. 
And we don't want to go back to give me that old time religion where we can just believe on Jesus and everything is wonderful. That's romantic retrograde, as, as Ken Wilber would say. Every stage, when it first appears, generally rejects the stage before. I'm often reminded when boys and girls become boys and girls about seven or eight, they often, not everybody, they often go, oh, girls are yucky, boys are yucky. You always reject that, there's a form of rejection, and then later in that phase, oh, girls and boys, that's pretty, I, I like them after all. So the acceptance of what you had previously rejected is usually the sign of the maturation of that stage. So this pre-trans fallacy, you're right. You're exactly right. We should doubt gurus up and down. You should bring strong discriminative doubt to it because you don't want to be a stupid child. And yet, the, the yielding that's required for it to be with an enlightened master is not childish. In fact, it requires incredible discrimination. So that's the pre-trans fallacy on either side of adolescence. Don't be a child. Make sure you buy mature doubt, not just doubt as well. I doubt that, I doubt that. It's not a, it's not a, 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 a bitchy doubt. It's a mature doubt that we must bring, a discrimination rather, uh, so that when, you, when you're ready to fall in love, you're not going to fall in love from behind my eyes to I love you behind your eyes. That's not the way we fall in love. In fact, we don't rise or achieve love. We fall. We fall out of ourselves. I'm reminded uh, every Indian restaurant I've ever been in had uh, a painting of the gopis, of the cow herders, men, women, uh, distracted. And what does it signify? What is the, what is the essence of of Hinduism or the Bhagavad Gita, or what is the core of this? What is the, what's the, one of the principal obligations of Hindu society? It is duty. And what was their duty? To milk the cows. And yet they're going like, they have, they fall out of themselves. They weren't, I'm not gonna milk the cows. I'm gonna go follow that blue tote, that, that guy, he's, he's amazing. They didn't do that. They just fell out of themselves. So it's not something we do with our will. Our will must be intact and it must be strong and our, our will must be developed in a calm. Uh, bring, our will is what brings harmony to our whole life. And on the basis of that harmony, then we can give ourselves up. We don't give ourselves up because we're childish. We don't, Adi Da taught me uh, the difference between giving of yourself and emptying of yourself. A child will empty of themselves. Oh, I do it for you. You're the guru. Oh, I do it for you because you're, I should not, because I have a bad self-image. That's not it. You give, you yield because you're in touch with the fullness. There sounds like there's better and worse ways to be deluded. You know, if you're <laughs> in the cave of subjectivity, you're not all equally in that cave. Some of you are closer to the door. <laughs> <laughs> that's true well you know that reminds me of the that that allegory again you know in in uh so the socratic cave uh that plato relayed there was some of the people had were just watching the shadows on the walls the broad outlines right 
and that's the mythic approach and the magical and the mythic, which is, can be great. Um, the, there's really, just like we, uh, we, just like we recalled how the muses, the features of the muses, the, the Zeus and the Nosene and the women were feminine. That's all very um, illustrative. That's broad outlines. There was another group, and that's how most people were chained to see only that. And then there was another smaller group who were sitting by the irrational fire. And they said, oh, no, they're just seeing the broad outlines. And in fact, they're just seeing projections of, of the light from the fire across an object. And we're seeing it for real because we're logical. But there was another person in that allegory that most people don't talk about. It was the daylight man. In his case, daylight woman, daylight man. The daylight man comes into the cave. And what is the cave? The cave is the cave of subjectivity. Oh, I believe in blah, blah, blah. Or in my opinion, in my humble opinion, that's all subjective. That's all inside your head, my point of view. But the daylight man or daylight woman comes from outside the cave into the cave and shakes the chains. And we usually kill those people uh, for shaking our chains. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm reminded of Parmenides talking about uh, in his great poem of truth. Uh, he says, we must learn to distinguish. We must learn the way of opinion. We must be familiar with, in my opinion, we must become familiar with that and to see it in distinction from the way of truth. And he, he, he qualified truth, Parmenides did, as beyond opinion. Well, how can something be beyond opinion in this day and age? If you're ecstatic, ecstasy is standing out. Standing out of what? The cave. So when we're an ecstatic, ecstatic speech is very hard to hear, very hard to interpret. You hear Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. And if you're, if you're subjective about it, you get up with your Bible thumping, well, he said it, he's the truth, and he's the way. The no, it was an ecstatic statement, not a factual statement. So, um, I so think there's the, a, the daylight man, it seems yes. then, is always going to be a somewhat disruptive figure to the cave, right? There's always going to be controversy around the daylight man. You yes. said we kill them a lot of the time. Give them, in, give them. How a, do we, how do we balance that against people's legitimate concerns about, about abuses, right? right about the, about the human aspect of people and communities. You know, there's a discourse of concern from some people about Dawes abuses. Absolutely. What's your take on that whole thing? Well, I, I, I pre, I, we, we, like I said, we must proceed with mature doubt. Read, as, as Ken Wilber said, Adidas' teaching is the greatest scripture ever penned by the human transcendental spirit, that it's the most complete teaching of any time, any place, any persuasion. Well, read it yourself. Don't take somebody else's opinion. Read it yourself. It should be self-authenticating. Now, it will be a confrontation. It is fire. You will be offended because ego is self-protective. And when somebody's asking you to do this, you, no, I don't want to. 
Yeah, I don't want my chains. I like my chains. This is just the way I like it. I'm reminded of uh, when Mayor Baba wanted, on his spiritual quest, wanted to go, see, heard about Upasani Baba and went to visit him and he's climbing up the, the mountain to see Upasani Baba. I always envision it in uh, fireside, uh, fireside cartoon characters, but uh, Upasani Baba's sitting there, Mayor Baba's coming and he looks over, grabs a rock, true story, and throws it down, he hits Mayor Baba straight in the face and bloodies his face. This is not a conventional approach. This is not a conventional response. You will be offended. Take the, if you'll take that into account and have a little doubt about yourself as well, that's what mature doubt does. Doubt this. Doubt everybody you approach, especially somebody that's claiming enlightenment, for God's sake, entendre <laughs> intended. But keep the doubt also for yourself. Remember, we are the people who said Jesus uh, was a madman, turning over the tables, you know, he's crazy, he's, he's partying with whores, tax collectors. Are you going to be that person? Or are you going to see through the conventional mind? Are you going to, Mayor Baba got up to Upasana Baba and said, thank you. You have to be able to move beyond your conventional mind. Um, Adida, I never, I was, I, I spent, I've spent 40 years with Adida. And I spent almost a thousand hours in a tiny room with him, nine by 14 room, eight, eight to 12 hours a day. I never, not for a iota nanosecond, saw him anything but serving. Now, sometimes that service was ferocious. I certainly experienced it. And, and, and it was so ferocious at me, giving me self-understanding that I thought he was mean and unfair and a little, and it took me a couple of years to go, oh God, thank you. And then I realized it was gracious and humorous and loving. So there is this time, there is this lag because he gives everything all together. But I had enough beyond conventional mind to not just reject him when I felt oh, this is not right. And I go, wait a minute, he can't be right about all these things, but the most brilliant stuff and giving me all these wonderful insights and spiritual experiences and stuff and then be wrong when he's talking about how, how I'm a little nobody. <laughs> that, that, didn't, that doesn't add up. So I had enough, I had enough uh, humility, true humility, uh, to bring that doubt also to myself so that I kept my doubt about him. I, didn't, I was never... Shun, that was never shunned until I understood the, the fire. Fire is not fun. It's not where we roast marshmallows. You're burned to a goddamn crystalline black. So if that's the big picture, great. Take him in and realize it's not going to be, oh, flowers and light. and Oh, yes, I see the insights now. Oh, it's all about love, isn't it? Yes, there is beauty. And, the, and why aren't you beautiful all the time? Endure the fire of heaven. And, and, people and, and people should be wary and they yes. should be concerned if somebody's chucking rocks at them. But yes. at the same time, if, if what you think you're doing is getting involved in divine work, 
you yes. have to at least have this minimal context of it's going That's to right. offend me. It's going to burn me. That's right. My doubt has to be applied outward and inward simultaneously. That's it's right. just like a basic uh, set of mind that you need in That's order right. to approach that work. Right. And take it from me. He is only, he only served. And he, the, and, and listen to Ken Wilber, the greatest spiritual teaching in the history of the world, any time, any place, any persuasion, the greatest scripture ever penned by the human transcendental spirit. It's worth reading a book and make your own mind. And, and you know, you may, as he says, even a little consideration will relieve great suffering. You don't have to become a devotee. You don't have to become oh, a guru by or any crap like that. Grow up and make use of this radical self-understanding and this cutting through illusions that yields Satchit Ananda. You started off at the beginning telling us uh, a couple of experiences, a couple of moments where there was this transformative uh, transmission realization for you. Yes. Is there anything you think made you... Um, available to that? Were there skills you had? Was no. there a history? Was there anything that set you up to be able? Because up and did those things develop over time? Because it took you a while to get into the position where that would happen. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, what goes on for people that makes it more likely that this will work? <laughs> uh, is there a qualification for grace? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> 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 That's self-evident, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but you might think, a person might think that their ability to be self-aware, their ability to sense energies, mm -hmm. or their ability to um, acknowledge and appreciate things that are wonderful and lovely in the world, that these Absolutely. sort of things set them up or give sure. them a bit of an edge to get into that, where they might otherwise be personally held back from the process. Mm -hmm. Well... Um, there is only Satchitananda. There really is only God. The, as he says, what is the truth? We are happy. We live in God. The great one is our very being. We inhere in the blissful forcefulness of the starry God. There's no special angle on that. There's no special extra good window to, the, to beauty. There's no, there's no qualification for falling in love. It's the same, you could ask the same question. Is there a special qualification for falling in love? Well, yeah, there's a certain amount of self-understanding and humility and you have to have gone around the block a few times and we have to, and we have to bring a discrimination to it because there are, you know, in, in the history of traditional and spiritual literature, as Adi Da has pointed out, there are what he, what's called the three hearts or the three phases of love. Uh, the Christians discerned it as uh, using Hellenic or Greek terms, eros love and agape love, right? Uh, eros love is anything that fulfills you. I love baseball, I love you, honey. All those kind of loves. If it has a sense of promise, that's the left heart or eros love. And then there's the middle heart where you don't love in order to be loved. You you're so glad you have somebody to love. You, you, you're, the one you love could develop a horrible disease and you're not going to go, oh, okay, you're not, you're not good to make love to now. You love, you serve. That's what they call the middle heart or agape love. And then there is the, what's called the right side of the heart. 
I think Ramana, Ramana Maharshi was very clear about the two finger widths to the right of the heart at the, uh, is they call it the right side of the heart. That's love that is divine. That doesn't have the downside of the middle heart. It still has otherness. It's Orpheus and Eurydice, but that love loses Eurydice. You have to move to divine love where there is no other. As Adida says, I am no other who exists is me. So is there any qualification for falling in love? Yes. We have to be humbled. We have to have grown up a little bit and we have to bring a discrimination between the kinds of loves. Otherwise we're going to fall in love with this person and this person and then this person. But when you've learned, when you've grown up enough, then you love, what would they call true love? Is there a qualification for that? Yeah, you got to grow up a little bit. <laughs> so yes and no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, is that a $10 answer to a 25 cent question? I don't know. <laughs> um, well, it looks like we're coming to the end of our hour here. Is there anything else you'd like to, you know, bring forward, mention, honor, recollect, transmit to us at this moment before we finish? <laughs> uh, well, I'm so glad. Um, yeah, I'm so glad to be able to speak about beloved Adita. That's that's that is the greatest joy I know. Um, I, I he is incredibly present, and the presence is uh, his passing from the body, so to speak. Is uh, there, there is a an interesting thing that happened when that happened? He the last obstacle to being in love was removed. And in that sense, he is, the transmission in my communion hall is as clear as being in the living room with him. He, he, that pre, he has established a presence and a help and an enjoyment and a fire that is eternal and easily accessible. I, I, I think I put down three links down below. If somebody wanted to uh, experience it, not from some blah, blah old man, but directly, I, his, his first uh, set of, uh, of um, talks was in, the, or in this book called My Bright Word. And uh, you get it on Amazon, of course, but uh, and starting somewhere after all the introductory material is the very first talks he gave. I think that's a really good thing that anyone can do for, to get, you want, you want transmission from an enlightened master there, you will experience it. Terrific. Thanks, Frank. Um, sure. you, I find your uh, happiness and enthusiasm, the way you embody that to be very convincing and uh, the clarity huh. and, playful skepticism of your thoughts means I don't have to dismiss what you're saying out of hand. <laughs> right. Right. So don't I believe think me. This was terrific. I really enjoy this. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Oh no, you're, you're, you're also, I, I really appreciate your, your receptivity. You, you got the lesson. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's a joy to speak of the great one.